0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 217 for the 28th of Sivan in a Leap Year. So today we're going to talk about the show, The Iron Chef. As a disclaimer, I have only seen this show a few times, but I really enjoyed it each time I watched it. I don't know if it's the music, the lighting, something about the show really does create this really intense kind of feeling of suspense and intensity, and uh, and so... Yeah. So basically, so the show, so for those of you that are not familiar, this is a show that is Japanese in origin, but then it got uh, translated into an Amer. there's an American version of the show. Maybe there are other versions of the show. I'm not really sure. And the way that it works is that you have these top chefs come onto the show, come onto the set and they are in battle with one another as to who can make the best meal. They have to make a multi-course meal for the judges to then judge and decide who made the best meal. Now, the thing about the show is it has certain rules. It has certain constraints. Constraint number one is that every episode is based around a secret ingredient. And this secret ingredient is revealed towards the beginning of the show. And this secret ingredient, whatever it might be, must be used by these Chefs in the course of their meal, like they they need to incorporate it somehow into their into their meal. Into the every single course of their meal needs to contain this ingredient. So that's constraint number one is the secret ingredient. So now it's been revealed in uh, subsequent years that perhaps the secret ingredient isn't super secret at least not to the contestants. And actually before the show, they they're, while they're not told explicitly what the secret ingredient will be, as far as I'm aware, they're given a list of possible secret ingredients or possible themes so that then they can get the producers and the people involved with the show to make sure that they have like appropriate ingredients on hand for the show so that they can incorporate that into their meal so that's constraint number two so constraint number one is the actual secret ingredient that ends up being second constraint is the fact that once they are on the show they only have a limited number of ingredients to work with like they can't go shopping in, in the moment and go get more ingredients right and then the third constraint is time the third constraint is that they only have 60 minutes the whole show takes place in the course of 60 minutes So these are a bunch of constraints, right? But this is what makes the show exciting. And this is what really fuels the creativity of the show. And the chefs are able to come up with all kinds of really interesting dishes that they may never have been able to come up with previously without such constraints. So the reason why I'm bringing this up today in today's episode is because in fact, this is exactly the theme of today, the theme of constraints and the theme of how constraints, actually, perhaps somewhat seemingly ironically, is specifically what breeds creativity. So you might remember from English class in school, like if you ever took a writing class or, or a class, an English class that involves a lot of writing, your teacher may have told you that if it's possible to say something in one sentence don't say it in two if it's possible to say something in three sentences don't say it in a paragraph like say use as few words as possible and this is really the mark of a really good writer is being able to use less words rather than more a good speaker the same thing so if you've all heard Devar Torah or rabbi speeches and things like that, that just tend to go on and on and on and on way too long. And you think to yourself, you know what they, they could have really summed it up just in, in a sentence and they spoke for an hour. So it's the same idea. There's something about constraints, having that constraint, like, uh, like again, if you remember in school, if you ever had to give a speech for, and, and the speech was going to be five minutes long, that actually probably took a lot more work than if you had to give a speech that would be only an hour long, weirdly enough, because perhaps you had so much that you wanted to say, but to, to really narrow it down and figure out what you wanted to say in just five minutes is, a, is, is, is much harder to do. On a simple level, let's say, I know this comes up sometimes if I'm buying a a birthday present for somebody on Amazon and I wanna write in a little birthday message to them and Amazon only gives you like a certain number of characters to do, you have to be really, really selective with the words that you use because this is that's all the room they give you they don't they don't give you more room another example of this is in terms of running a business especially startups there's actually a whole book that's written about this called the lean startup by eric rise and this is the same concept this is the whole idea of how to really have a business run efficiently and be a really high top quality business you want to think in terms of leanness you want to think in terms of constraints of what it is that you can cut out We spoke about this a little bit in a similar vein in a previous episode where we talked about the fact that music is less about the notes themselves and more about the silence between the notes. Art is less about the lines on the page and more about the space between the lines or the space between the carvings in a sculpture, kind of, and all of that. So it all revolves around the same idea that really in order to create, you need to constrain. These two faculties go hand in hand. And in fact, in a way you can really say that the constraint actually supersedes the actual act of creation because creation without constraint at all is a very chaotic thing. It's all over the place. It's infinite in nature, right? So it's like, let's say we're talking about, we go back to the chefs. Let's say if you have a top chef and let's say they come on the show and then it's like, okay, you can make whatever you want. You have as much time as you want. You have an infinite number of ingredients to work with. Like it's, it's just, it's endless. You know, the possibilities are really endless. The show would never end. So the constraints really like, it's like, it gives people the ability to hone in on what it is that they want to do. Same thing. Like, let's say if you went to in uh, a writing class and they said, okay, you can write whatever you want in whatever format you want and no matter it it can be however length you want like okay that I mean sure I guess that could be a style of a writing class but more interesting and more likely what they'll do if you go to like a writing club or a writing class is they'll give you some kind of constraints they'll say okay today we're gonna work on writing poetry or today we're gonna work with this writing prompt like we're gonna start with this sentence of one day I was walking down the street. That's going to be the sentence that we start with. Like there's going to, there, there needs to be something. There needs to be some kind of constraint of some kind in order to focus the creativity. So what we'll find is that this act of constraints, this this need of constraints in order for creation to happen is actually exactly how it is that God creates the world. God too creates the world through constraints because God in his creative process is infinite so we've we've spoken about this before that really if god were just to be fully expressive in his true creative self there would be no worlds there'd be nothing that could exist so we see that the way that god creates the world is through a lot of constraints through imposing lots and lots and lots like a multiplicity of constraints upon himself in order for the world to exist and to really narrow it down as to what these constraints are and this is what we're going to be talking about today is by looking at the 10 utterances through which God creates the world so if we look at the creation the story of creation as it's written in in the book of Breshis in the first book of the Torah then we see that God created the world specifically using 10 utterances 10 specific phrases and we've learned about previous and Tanya, that these 10 phrases were not just a one-time event. They're actually happening at all times. So creation is a continuous event, always and forever. And that hidden within, like in, like uh, inherent within these ten, or 10 utterances of creation, actually God was not just speaking those particular items into creation that were explicitly stated or are explicitly stated. But in fact, every single item of creation is contained within those utterances and the way that is that is the case is because like truly if we break down like on a technical level as to how it is that those utterances create the world is that those utterances are made up of letters of letters of speech through God through which God creates the world because we know that God creates the world something from nothing at all times through his speech and the speech manifests through the letters through the 22 Hebrew letters and so while those things, which are listed in the 10 utterances of creation in a more explicit way, okay, so we can see and we can understand how those things were created through God's speech and are created through God's speech, specifically through those letters of the 10 utterances of that of, of creation. But what about everything else? What about all the other items in creation, which are not explicitly mentioned there? So as we've learned previously, what happens is those letters from the 10 utterances of creation got go through a series of combinations and permutations and substitutions that end up in combining into all kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different words here in our worlds that did create everything in the world. So, like one way to kind of think about it is that, let's say if you're if you're looking if you have to draw a painting and you only have a certain number of colors to work with. So, okay, you may only have those certain number of of, of colors to work with, but you can combine those colors together to create a new kind of color that comes from those original colors. Or let's say in the example of the Iron Chef. So, okay, they only have have a certain number of ingredients to work with, but yet they can use those ingredients in a multi- multitude of ways. They can combine them. They can cook them in different ways. Like there's a lot of the, a lot that you can do with the constraints that you have. And so that is basically how it is that God creates the world. So let's get into the text and see how the ultra but explains this idea of the constraints being how it is that God creates the world. So for reference, we left off yesterday speaking about this idea of mamala amin, speaking about this idea of God's imminence here in this world. And that was in contrast to God's transcendence. So we spoke previously about this idea about how it is that God transcends the entire world. And we referred to that as the level of sovav kol amin. And that's the, and the way we can understand that is the unchanging nature of God, how all the going ons in the world are happening and changing and moving, and God is on some level kind of unchanging and and not affected by these things. But then we, but then this other level, this level of the imminence of God, we refer to as mamalikolamim. And that's the level of God by which he is very much present here in the world in a very imminent way within every single thing and that he gives vitality to every single thing and and life and existence to every single thing in a very very particular way it's extremely individual it's extremely personal and so now starting from there now the ultra but moves on today and he says that the because the vitality that the source of the vitality for each one of these creations is the spirit of God's mouth that is that is vested within the 10 utterances that are in the torah and this spirit of God's mouth could have spread out inf- infinitely in a limit, in a limitless manner, which is really its nature because it is limit- limitless, right? And it's inf- infinite to create worlds that were, that are infinite in nature as well, that are infinite and limitless in nature, whether in quantity or in quality and, and to vitalize these kind of infin- infinite type of worlds. And if this would be the case, then our world, which is our world is is very finite and is very limited, wouldn't have been created. And then in brackets here, the altar explains this a little bit, where he says that because just as we call God the infinite one, the Ein Sof, then so too are all of his Midos, all of his characteristics and all of his actions are also infinite in nature because him and his attributes are one, meaning to say that God's attributes, like for example his attribute of chesed, or his attribute of rahamim, like his attribute of giving, or his attribute of mercy, and so too all of God's attributes, by virtue of the fact that they are vested within the spirit of God's mouth, because we know that it says hu uh, amar veihi meaning God created the world through his speech, God spoke and it was, uh, and that's a verse from Tehillim, by the way, uh, from Tehillim chapter 33 verse 9, and also we see also in Tehillim, chapter eighty nine verse three where it says the world is built through chassad. so meaning to say that God that the whole world is created that like this this uh this speech of God the spirit of god's mouth becomes a vessel uh, and uh, and a garment for this chasid. and the altar of it likens this to a snail whose garment is an integral component of his body so it's like if you look at the the, a snail, then it's like the shell of the snail is is the body of the snail, snail at the same time. So basically, just to break that down, what the altar is basically telling us here is that when we talk about God's attributes, when we talk about God's chesed, rachamim, whatever these things are, even though they're the attributes of God, they contain within them an infinite light of God, and thus they too contain infinity. And so what what the ultra is basically telling us here is that if God were to just allow his infinitude to manifest in a true and expressed way this world as we know it this finite world that we know it would not be able to exist so when people talk about like when physicists talk about the idea of there being an infinite infinite number of multiverses so this is kind of an interesting, this is kind of my own thoughts on the matter, but it's it's an interesting thing because if you start talking about like multiverses and you think about each multiverse being limited in nature, it's like, are they limited or are they unlimited? Like you kind of can't have both. Like if you're talking about the unlimited nature of something, then if truly the source of something is unlimited, then that which they would be that's what would, which would come out from that unlimited place would be unlimited at the same time. So the fact that we have this finite world that we live in that does contain limits, it means that there's something else going on. It means that it's not just about infinitude. True, there's an aspect of infinitude through which God creates the world, but, and that is necessary, but there's something else. What is this something else? This something else is what we know as the sumsum, the constraint. So this is what the ultra explains here. He says that so then what happened was that God constrained, he constricted this light and this vitality, so that which so that when it comes out from the spirit of God's mouth and and he vested it within the different combination of the ten utterances, as well as the different combinations and uh, substitutions and transpositions, as well as looking at their numerical values. So we know that like every letter also has a numerical value to it. It's the the gematria of the letter. So all of these things are factored in to the way that God creates the world. So that with every substitution and every transmutation, this is one aspect of God descending his light and his vitality from level to level, meaning to say so that this, this will allow for there to be created and for there to be, and for the these creations to be vitalized in a way that is for a descent of the level so it's like on a we're, we're receiving god's vitality but in to a lesser and lesser degree so that the vitality that all of these creations are receiving that were not explicitly mentioned in the ten utterances of creation are is it's a much less amount of vitality it's a it's a very diminished form of vitality than that which comes about which was present in the original ten utterances because in those ten utterances, then God, in all of His glory and in His true being, that's then He is actually vested within them in a way through by way of His mitos, by way of His uh, His attributes. So that's the end of the section. So just to kind of bring it all together, so basically what we're, what we learned today is that God uses constraints in order to create the world, and that this is necessary because without constraints, there would just be too much infinity. It would be infinite and we wouldn't be able to have a finite world. So the constraints that God use uses to create the world are the ten utterances of creation And when we look at those 10 utterances of creation they contain they're made up of letters and those letters were spoken through God's speech and are spoken through God's speech and that is the power that's the vitalizing force vitalizing force those are the constraints those are the ingredients so to speak. Those would be like if, if God, so to speak, was on the on the Iron Chef, those letters would be the specific ones, the specific ingredients that he could use to create his meal. And so what happens is that God then takes those letters and while he is vested in his full form, like this is the pure form, the pure form of the, of the ingredients is in those 10 utterances. Like it's like if you had, let's say the ingredient of the day was raw salmon, you know? So it would be like kind of like the raw salmon in its raw, pure, unadulterated form. But then God takes that salmon, so to speak, or in this case, it's the letters, and he mixes them around a little bit. He uh, transposes them. He substitutes them. He combines them with different things. There's number combinations that go with them there's a whole bunch of different ways that god cooks quote unquote these letters in such a way that their true essence is concealed on the one hand but this is what allows for various different flavors various different creations to come about is through this diminishment of the light this constraint with his light so that is it for today. And tomorrow we're going to conclude this chapter. Finally, it's been a long one and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana.